doing live, are we? No, no, it's all pre- all pre-recorded. Cool, cool, so, cool. Yeah, so if I need to edit anything out, just let me know. Sure. Okay. Uh, before we start, um, just to uh, make sure you understand, not to talk about dead rabbit at all. Yeah, dead eyes. I'm legally contracted to not ever mention dead rabbit ever again. Uh, I can only talk about dead eyes like it's a completely new thing and dead rabbit never existed. Gotcha. Understood. Thank you very much, Jess. Yeah. Glad I you appreciate it. Yeah, glad you mentioned that. So, okay. Yes. Yeah, because I, I might have, yeah, otherwise I might have asked, I might have asked about, uh, you know, the series having some trouble and then picking up momentum again, but we'll, we'll come to it in a different way. So, yeah, I mean, it's okay about, I think it's about, okay, sort of, hinting no in fact it's probably not even wise to hint at the trouble it's just to just say uh we had an idea it was called dead eyes and we just pretended dead rabbit never existed nor any of that unpleasantness ever happened yeah exactly we'll put it back in 2020 the year to be forgotten anyway and we won't even bring it up yes (laughs) i hope so yeah okay here we go Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. Uh, this is another Kickstarter Spotlight episode, and we're going to be talking to uh, a creator who's returning uh, to talk about uh, another Kickstarter project. It's the legendary John McRae. John, thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure, Jace. Good to be here. Thanks very much for having us on your show. Yeah. Uh, you know, congratulations on uh, the mighty world of, of McRae. You know, we had you on to talk about that. That fully funded. It, it was a great project. And uh, now you're back with a new art book uh, for a project you're doing with uh, with Jerry Dugan. So uh, we're going to dig into it and talk a little bit about uh, the series and uh, what's in the book. And I, I'm I'm very excited for it. Uh, why don't you tell everybody who may not be familiar with Dead Eyes uh, what the kind of the series is uh, is about that you and Jerry have put together here? Sure. Okay. Uh, Dead Eyes is basically a crime noir uh, thriller. Uh, set in Boston about a bank robber who uh, the eponymous Dead Eyes and uh, he, I guess, dresses a little like a superhero. He's got a mask and a kind of a suit, literally a suit, I suppose, but it's his uniform. Uh, But he doesn't have any superpowers or anything. He's just a guy who's very tasty in a fight who uh, used to rob banks back in the 80s and then he retired. and due to extraneous and unfortunate circumstances has to come out of retirement to kind of, uh, you know, sort of help his wife who's basically sick and he is up to his eyeballs in medical bills. And so the, the, the book is uh, a, a sort of hard, hard-boiled noir sort of story, but it's also got a, a love story at its core uh, between our uh, Martin, who is our hero, Dead Eyes, and uh, Megan, his wife. Uh, but also it's a sort of uh, searing indictment on the sort of terrible, uh, sorry, one second. Uh, it's the terrible uh, healthcare system in the US and how it just uh, really grinds people up uh, and just extracts money from them. Uh, and that and so that it's sort of threefold from that point of view. Uh, so yeah, that's your that's the upshot of it. So there's so much of this that is I feel like is just perfect for you and your art style. You know, when we're talking about Boston. There's a lot of you know Irish roots there. Uh, you know, it, it's crime noir. It's it's hard boiled. There's a ton of action. So. Uh, was this something, an idea that you and Jerry uh, came up with together in, in collaboration, or did Jerry have the idea and then bring you on? Like, how did you get involved with the project? I uh, Well, I met Jerry at a small convention in the south of Ireland that he was attending and I was at, and uh, I knew he was going to be there, and I read his stuff and thought, well, he seems like a guy I would like co- to collaborate with, so maybe I'll uh, get him drunk. <laughs> and see if I can uh, you know, get him to sign on the dotted line. <laughs> and, uh, as it transpired, he was a big fan of my work and wanted to work with me anyway, so that was lovely. Uh, so we chatted over the following years 
nothing happens fast. Obviously, it took a, a few years before Jerry occasionally would throw an idea or two or three at me and just say, does any of this grab you? And when Dead Eyes came along, I went, yeah, that one definitely grabs me. That's that's my cup of tea right there. Um, so it was Jerry's idea, no doubt about it. Dead Eyes is, you know, the, the sort of concept of it is all Jerry. Uh, visually, Jerry was the guy who suggested the cap that Dead Eyes would wear, the duncher, um, and which I was dubious about how it would work, uh, but it works really well, actually. Um, I'm surprised by that. Um, the rest of it, well, Duncher suit mask. I mean, Jerry said that, and I, I, I guess I put the X's in. <laughs> and maybe, you know, he's got these strange little, uh, like, ears coming down, and that was me as well. So, you know, I guess I had something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was a generally the upshot of it. So when you guys first started uh, talking about story, uh, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the threefold aspect, you know, here, here's this guy trying to put his, his kind of CD pass behind him. He's in a desperate situation. You know, I can tell you firsthand, having been in an accident and having a nearly million dollar hospital bill about the oh. terrible health care in this country. Um, did that it's not did, really health care? It's more money extraction. Right. Right. And, exactly. And, and care second. Yeah. Really? If, yeah. If if that. Um, so, it, I mean, it's so interesting because really what we're talking about is a character who's in a way sort of turning the tables, you know, he, he, instead of money being extracted from him, he's going to flip it back around using these, uh, skills that he, he had wanted to put in, in the past. And, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of that, him wanting to be a better man and put that in his past had to do with his love for his wife. And now his love for his wife is driving him back in there. It's such a complex story. Um, so was yeah. that something that that you and Jerry uh, or did Jerry have all that? And how does that complexity play into the art? Well, to be honest with you, um, the story was different at the start. Um, but one thing that I asked Jerry to do was um, was to make Martin and Megan's relationship really strong because mm. you rarely see a marriage in comics or film that's happy, if you know what I mean, because often happiness is not the precursor to uh, a, um, dramatic, right. a dramatic in, in, in a story. It's, it's the splitting apart or the angst or the anguish or the sort of falling apart of things that drives a drama. Um, and so often you do see relationships falling apart or in trouble or what have you, or people hating, outright hating each other. It was to have this really strong, stable, I mean, obviously it gets, there's a bit of rockiness, um, but the, the, the strong love between the two of them keeps them together. And that's what I really thought would be, make for a, give the, the character and the story its heart would be to do that and give, you have this really solid, rock solid um, marriage. And I, I think Jerry came on board with that. Um, I mean, everything else pretty much is Jerry, but that that one thing it was what's something that I thought would be really interesting. And, in, you know, this, I mean, most noirish stuff, it's all about the hard-bitten guy who's, you know, shit happens to and relationships are bollocks and all this sort of stuff. And he mopes his way through there's plenty of crap happens to martin but the one thing he's got is this rock solid relationship with his wife even though his wife of course is sick and you know that's jerry has plenty of stuff to play with and throws plenty of stuff at martin and megan uh, to test them but they've got that hold you know that rock of of their love which you know is their their it really uh centers them so I, I yeah that's that's the thing that i that i asked for at the start of it and and i think it works well with it yeah well i, mean, I think it it brings something different to the story because as you've said we we've, we've had that other story where the guy either has no emotions or 
you, you know, has abandoned his relationship, you know, to drown himself in alcohol or, or whatever. We've yes. had that, that nice. story. Let's do something yeah. new. Let's do something a little different. Yes. Yes. I mean, those are your classic noir tropes, aren't they? And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And it's, and certainly this, I mean, the, the, the retired guy coming out of retirement for one last job is a totally classic trope. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's almost impossible to, tell a new story isn't it it's just how you tell it um and you know i'm not saying in any way that we are sort of completely original for having a story with a strong solid relationship at the center of it i just think within sort of this sort of genre of story it's a little less common and so that adds an extra kind of uh spice to it i suppose uh and and gives us something to sort of uh say well we're, we're doing it a little differently um so yeah i i mean i i think that as long as the characterization is good and your uh your storylines are solid and you keep your reader entertained uh you're doing your job and uh, so uh, so and jerry is doing all that you know no doubt about it yeah do you guys have a, a number of issues in mind do we know how long this is going to run well, it's it's complicated. <laughs> Dead Eyes, Dead Eyes is um, publishing history is complicated. So we are hoping to keep going. Um, we've got our new arc starting towards the end of the year. Uh, this Kickstarter is kind of helping us to re-promote Dead Eyes to the public again, um, and then you know it'll come out. The Kickstarter ends in, God, what's this, May, end of May. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we've got a couple of months uh, and then the book will be published. And then shortly after that, the uh, the new art will happen. Um, I've already started it. In fact, I'd started it quite a while ago, but it had to be delayed for various reasons, uh, too nefarious to go into. So... Uh, I'll, I'm back on that. Uh, Jerry has written some new script, and I'm working away on it. Uh, yeah, so so it's all guns blazing now uh, to to just get Dead Eyes back on track. You know, it's, yeah. It's, well, I, I, I've got to apologize to any readers out there who are listening that it has been a bit of a rocky road. So it has, yeah. Yeah, well, I think, I, you know, I, I, it, it's not down to you or Jerry that, you know, circumstances out of your control. I, I think, you know, a lot of people were loving it when, when it was coming out. Uh, hopefully this Kickstarter, you know, we can get the word out there and, and you know, fans of the, the series are going to be glad to see it come back. I think it's a great way to get the momentum going. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about what's actually in the book, because that's fascinating as well. I, I think especially for aspiring creators. Uh, but I do want to re remind everybody real quick before we start talking about the kind of the visual style uh john mentioned end of may so it actually ends on saturday may 29th at yes. 10 a.m pacific time uh it is already funded it's fully funded so that's it's one of those situations where if you back it you know you're going to get it i know sometimes people wait till the very end of the campaign because they're not sure if it's even going to be produced you don't have to worry if you uh if you pledge you are going to get it um so and it's again, it's it's a great material, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's actually in uh, the art book in a second. But uh, before we get to that, I did want to ask you, John. Uh, most people know you, at least in American comics, for uh, your critically acclaimed run with Garth Ennis on on Hitman. Um, sure. Your visual style here on uh, on uh, Dead Eyes it's a, it's a little different. You, the the characters are a little more lithe. Uh, it, it's a little the art is a little more fluid. Is that closer to your true style? Is it just something you thought would fit the book better? Is it something you're trying? Talk to us a little bit about deciding on kind of the visual look of, uh, of Dead Eyes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always approach each job um, differently, depending on the material, really. So uh, if it's a superhero book, well, it's, it's going to be drawn differently than some uh, a crime noir thriller. And this is, this book, I wanted to give a fairly distinct sort of look to um, and 
I had been sort of moving my style towards this look. Um, I don't quite know how to describe it, but I'd been looking at American illustrators like um, Flag and, uh, oh God, I'm going to forget all their names because I'm terrible with names. I'm so bad these days. Uh, but I had been looking at American illustrators and taking influence from that and from, from them. And uh, so so it, it was a kind of, it was sort of a deliberate movement, but also a, a, a choice made when upon seeing what Jerry was asking for. Um, uh, obviously, thick with shadows and mood was important because it is a, 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 that sort of a book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I always do. I mean, I'm like we'll probably talk about it in a bit. I'm also drawing Swamp Thing at the moment. And that's a completely different style again. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly um, on surface detail, I suppose. I mean, really, what I, when I'm talking about drawing differently and approaching things differently, it's often to do with the finish of the art. The underlying structure often is generally the same, though there will be, you know, with something like Swamp Thing, there's a lot more stuff breaking out of panels and panels, shapes changing and sort of more of an organic, I suppose, mm -hmm. feel to it. Whereas with something like Dead Eyes, it's much more constrained and everything's within boxes and, uh, you know, there's not much breaking out of panel and things like that because it doesn't really fit the story or then the mood and the style of the story that, that I felt that Jerry's story deserved. Um, so, so what... Uh, but what we're really talking about is the finish. And with, with Dead Eyes, I wanted it really slick, really slick and clean and precise. Um, and say with Swamp Thing, it's much more noodly and organic and right. sort of, I guess, to turn somebody's name into a verb, Sienkiewicz, yeah. I guess it's more yeah. sort of that you know, so sorry, Bill. Um, but, you know, it's, it's more of that sort of feel. Uh, you know, as much as I should ever be comparing myself to him, but you know, that that sort of idea. So yeah, with Dead Eyes, uh, a much slicker, moodier uh, sort of idea with everything in much more precise and concise frames. I mean, if I was to try and be pretentious about it, I would say that you know, by containing Dead Eyes, it was like the system trying right. to contain him type of thing. I, I could try to use that. My English teacher might give me an extra mark, I suppose. Are there any particular challenges on, on Dead Eyes in, in doing that, in, in trying to keep it real slick? Um, you know, Definitely. I, Definitely there are because Jerry wrote two of my... <laughs> least favorite things to draw not because they they look terrible or anything but because they're just so complex to draw uh, he wrote two of those quite a lot into the, the the story the first arc at any rate and those are wheelchairs and shopping trolleys uh, and they both play major parts in the story and if you're going for a very slick precise style well then you have to draw those things precisely and slickly so yeah, that was a challenge. Those were challenges. There's a splash page of our hero pushing a guy in a shopping trolley through an alley. And uh, don't ask why. Uh, just read the story. <laughs> and uh, it's possibly one of the most complicated and tricky splash pages I've ever had to draw. It doesn't have very many elements to it, you know, but just by the dint of it centering around the shopping trolley, and a, and a person lying in the shopping trolley as well, it, and having to draw it all, you know, as precisely as possible right. and neatly and slickly as possible, it made it just incredibly tough. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned it in the art book, but the first issue of Dead Eyes took me three months to draw, um, which is a long time for me. Uh, I don't think I've ever spent three months drawing a single comic before. Uh, and partly that was to do with just figuring out 
the characters and things like that and the style of it. Uh, but partly it was just because I was getting used to drawing everything so precisely and, and just finding the right balance in that, mm. you know, and how much to show and how not much to show, how much to show and not to show. Um, and I, and I, I think as I go along, possibly I, the, I'm sort of extracting a bit of the detail from my, from the work and replacing it with more moodiness and sort of adding more shadows. Like, right, I won't draw this entire brick wall. I'll slap a load of shadow over it instead, um, which works. But, you know, it's finding that balance. And, uh, and certainly when you're spending three months drawing a comic, I don't think you're finding the balance. You haven't found right. it just yet. <laughs> and so I'm a little bit quicker now because, or at least I, think I am because obviously I haven't got back into the flow again uh it has been a bit of a stop start project unfortunately well there's a couple of things that I that you kind of made me think about when you were telling us about that first of all for the aspiring artists where they tell you you need to know how to draw everything um because you never know what your writer is going to ask you to draw even the mundane things you know you and and the other part is as a reader we probably don't realize man it's hard to do, to make a wheelchair. You gotta be, like you said, precise or a, a shopping trolley is what we call a shopping cart here in the U S yeah. But it's one of those things that we probably don't even necessarily notice or appreciate how much work you had to put into it. Cause it is just an everyday item, but it's one of those things, John, if you had gotten it wrong, you don't get credit for getting it right. But if you'd gotten it wrong and it didn't look correct, then everybody would have been complaining about it. Right. Yeah, well, you know, honestly, uh, when I when I had read the script for the first issue, I was like, I, I started work on the comic, but avoided all the pages with the shopping trolleys and the wheelchair. Um, and eventually, as I was getting closer to time, to I mean, I'd laid the pages out and figured out where I was going to, you know, the structure of the pages, but. As I was getting time to draw the shopping trolley, I was just like, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to take photographs. I'm going to get a model and put them in a shopping trolley and pose them because this is so complicated. So I was going to I was going to go down to the uh, the local supermarket and ask them to borrow a shopping trolley. And I tell no lie, I walked out my front door to my car to drive down to the supermarket to do that. And across the street was an abandoned shopping cart just sitting there <laughs> on the pavement across the road. And I was just like, ah, yeah, it was meant to be. Meant and to just be. walked across the road, grabbed the shopping trolley and took it into my backyard where it still sits to this day. <laughs> um, you know, because, uh, yeah, you know, I, we're terrible that way. Can't get rid of anything. Hoarders, uh, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so when it came to things like that, it was, it was, sensible to to use again with the wheelchair uh i sourced one and uh because you know you've got to draw it from multiple angles and uh, you know if you go on google maybe you'll find a wheelchair from this angle and you'll find one from that angle but they're not the same wheelchair right and so yeah so it's just so i uh, I, I went and sourced a wheelchair so that i could get Megan's wheelchair correct throughout. Um, the only thing I worried about was, of course, that with the shopping cart, that of course it's a UK shopping cart, and in the US your carts may look may different. Look different yeah. But you know, honestly, sod it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At some point, you just got. There's, the, there's a certain yeah. point where you've got to go. Accuracy be damned. Yeah. I'm just telling a story here. Yeah, you know. exactly. Uh, well, I also wanted to. Uh, to ask you about, you know, as you were talking about how it, as you've gone on drawing the series, you've maybe removed some of that detail and added more, more mood. Um, not necessarily because you aren't, aren't dedicated or, you, you know, you're trying to cut corners. That's not the case at all. It, it sounds to me more like as you kind of get to know the characters and kind of start living in this world of the story that you and Jerry are creating, you become more comfortable with how to do that. Like if you're not quite sure, if you're an aspiring creator and you're not quite sure what the world is supposed to look like or, or you know, how to add the shadows and whatnot, just, you just draw everything accurately. But then as you become more comfortable, then you are able to 
to change those nuances that you're sure are additive and are appropriate for the tone and the world that you're creating. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's not just me. Uh, that's any creator, mm-hmm. uh, any artist for right. sure. And probably writer too. You know, you get more familiar with the way your character thinks and lives and he starts to, or he or she or it or whatever, starts to tell its own story almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've read writers describing this all the time where the character takes them where the character wants to after a while. Um, and it's the same with art, you know, you, you, you're familiar with their look. If you look at, I, I mean, there's probably some artists who are just, they'll start a project and everything's fully formed and consistent throughout. And I hate them. Uh, <laughs> but for most artists, I think, and certainly me, definitely, when I start something, the characters evolve right. as the story goes along. Uh, their their looks, as I settle into them, it's like it's like putting on a new suit or what have you. It's stiff and awkward at first, and then as you wear it, or you know, it settles onto you and it forms and it becomes comfortable. And that's the way it is with with drawing characters. You get used to them and you settle in, and they and you get you figure out their character and their look and the way they move and, and all that. And uh, yeah. And, and, and it changes. It definitely changes. So yeah, between, I mean, uh, the classic example is something like Hitman for me. Uh, you know, if you look at the way I was drawing Hitman at the start to towards the end, it's changed quite a bit. Um, and and I, I look at any of my work and I can see, the sort of change in the in the the way I've drawn the character as I get used to the way their hair looks or their their, their the way their clothes fall or the what have you and I've just it's just been streamlined so that it works better um, and I think yeah most I think most artists have that um, and and writers too like I said so yeah it's a natural part of the process. Uh, you know, you've you've got to be some sort of irritating genius to just be boom. Here we go. I think even something like if you look at Hellboy, which everybody thinks you know was always like exactly the same because Mcnola's style is so solid and and there and and but even when you look at the start of Hellboy to the way it's end, it changes. Mm-hmm. It, 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 he he refines his style and he figures it out and is the way he wants the world to look. And the way the way he wants to represent those elements of the world in this in the story changes, and as he figures out, I mean, obviously, overall, you can tell at the start that it's drawn by Mike Mignola, and you can draw it tell at the end it's drawn by Mike Mignola. It's just subtly changed as it's gone along. Yeah, well, I mean, in a lot of ways, your you, you know the the style or, or how you're rendering a particular character. I mean, hopefully, in the story, the character is going to evolve. You know, they're going to go through their own journey. So why wouldn't they not necessarily look different, but, you know, the visual style uh, may change. And then there's the other aspect that you're t- if you're telling a, certainly a long story of a of a character, we all age, we all change. I certainly don't look the same way that I looked, you know, five or 10 years ago. So I think it's it's natural. Um, and then there's the whole idea of uh, as an artist, you want to continue to grow and challenge yourself and and try new things and find yeah. you know new dynamic things to uh, try to convey the story. So I think that's all a part of it. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Yes. I mean, apart from cosmetic changes that you or the writer may add deliberately to show things have changed, like, for instance, in Hitman, uh, sort of mid around issue 12 or 13, one of our characters, Hacken, cuts off his own hand and then replaces it with a Mickey Mouse hand. So, you know, that's a definite change of your character's visual look yeah but that's a very that's a very deliberate and um deranged thing uh <laughs> whereas yes what you're talking about is just a more subtle change in the characters i wonder how i mean i don't know how many comics and how easy it is for an artist to show a subtle change in aging of the characters if it's do. a long storyline i'm trying to think of a I mean, because Tommy 
in Hitman, for instance, it was 60 issues, but I don't think particularly changed that much, you know, visually. Uh, you know, in a, in a sort of aging type of right. way, it would have been very hard to just sort of go, oh, well, it's been a couple of years now, I'll just add this extra oh, wrinkle fun. under each yeah. eye, yeah, exactly. you know, and then you know, maybe maybe now he's just starting to get a few hairs sprouting <laughs> out of his ears because he's a couple of years older, you know. it's that, the Stuff like that is tough to do yeah. uh, over time. I think maybe with huge periods of time, like, you know, you start like the classic, character starts as a teenager cut to 10 years later character is much older and right. there's noticeable difference because of the chunk a time jump um but yeah i, I think just more of a, a stylistic change subtle subtle type stylistic change is a slightly different thing than to a character maybe actually you showing representing the aging process in the character i mean yeah everybody changes but you know, we don't, our, the way our eyebrows are drawn, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. change really. Of course, we could shave our eyebrows off and pencil them in the way so many young women do these yeah. days. And that would be quite a different thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, why, wait, what am I talking about now? <laughs> well, I think what's <laughs> I think so, I've I, lost the plot again. You know, I, well, I mean, you're right. And, and the other aspect of this is that certainly when we talk about characters for the big two that are, you know, these multi-billion dollar properties now, they don't want them to change. They want them to be recognizable in perpetuity. They don't age purposefully. Yes. So you, you have that aspect uh, as well. So that's, yeah. uh, that's sort of uh, interesting. Uh, but let's talk a little bit uh, about the campaign itself. You know, we, we've mentioned okay. that it's this Dead Eyes art book. Uh, you're basically re-presenting uh, the material that had been released previously to kind of remind everybody uh, hey, here's what's been going on in the story so far. And also for any new fans that want to jump on, it's all here uh, presented in a in a great way. But you guys are, it's more than just reprinting the the stories and the pages that have come yeah. out so far. So why don't you tell us exactly what is in the, uh, the art book? Okay. Well, I mean, it is ostensibly an art book. So while you can read the story, it might not be the most easy way for you to read the story. Um, we don't have the lettering on the artwork. Uh, obviously, it's a big format as well, um, because uh, we, you know, with an art book, you want to be able to see the art as best as possible. So we've it's it's in a larger format. It's in black and white as opposed to color, and there's no lettering on it, so you can see all the line work as crisply and clearly as possible. Um, then we've got Jerry's scripts on the opposite page uh in their full so you can see jerry's thinking and then you can look at my artwork and see how it's been interpreted you know you can look at panel one and sort of go oh john's sort of i wasn't expecting from reading that panel i thought he would approach it in such such a way and maybe and, and maybe i haven't and you know you can analyze the things uh also you can see how jerry's script changes because jerry works in the way that he he don't he works in full script but then when he gets the art, he then goes through it again and re-dialogues uh, so that the he better the, the the dialogue better fits the the artwork. And in some places he'll do things like where he's dialogued or he's put captions, and then he's seen my artwork and he's just gone, you know, this is better without any dialogue and any captions whatsoever, and removed wholesale everything and left it as a completely quiet page. And that happens. At least once in the in the in the four issues, um, where where he does that, where he sees my artwork and goes, you know, John can tell a story. I don't need any uh, need to put any of these captions in. And is that's that really, really is that gratifying for you to see that? It's a, it's extremely flattering, that, and um, and it sort of a, makes you think. Well, I really I did my job. Obviously. <laughs> right. I did my job because Jerry has said okay, I don't need to explain anything. It's all told in the in the art and the storytelling of the uh, within that art. So yeah, that's a very gratifying thing. So you get that, you get the, the big art, black and white, no color. You get Jerry's scripts. So you can, you could read the comic 
completely if you wanted to, jumping back and forth between the script and the manual, which isn't too hard. I've been doing it as I've been editing the PDF, sort of reading Jerry's script and looking at the art, you know, just making sure everything's uh, works. Um, and then you get my commentary on my thought process as I'm putting the pages together, which sometimes is, uh, I'm quite detailed on how I've gone in, approached the page, my thought process on, Sometimes I add panels uh, just to Jerry's script. I'll, and I've done that on several of the pages where I've gone, you know, this. I want this to have more texture, I suppose. And so I've added more panels. And usually it's, um, you know, like in manga where they, they do a lot of scene setting. You get, you'll, you'll get a page, an entire page where it's just shots of, like a of like a city and getting closer in right. and then you'll turn the page and then you'll have the, the our your heroes showing up within that environment that they've sort of slowly paced out for you and uh, i love that sort of stuff and you so rarely get to do it in american comics because everything's so you know you've got 22 pages or 20 right. pages and you've got to tell a certain amount of story whereas with manga they have a lot more pages and they can just be, go at a much more leisurely pace. So anyway, I've, I've done that where I've, I've added panels just for more scene setting. Um, so you, you get my thought process behind all that. Sometimes it's like deep, like I'll go into a lot of stuff. And sometimes it's just me going, this is a page. I hated drawing it. You know, it's <laughs> simple as that. You know, <laughs> put out a wheelchair on it. I didn't want shopping to trolleys on it. What can I say? So uh, sometimes it's as simple as that. And then also, as well as my commentary, you get a lot of my layouts and my rejected pages as well. There were quite a number throughout Dead Eyes, the first four issues where I got to full inks and then scrapped the page because I just wasn't satisfied with it and started again. Uh, there's a lot where I've drawn my pencils, scrapped those and drawn new pencils. And so, yeah, there's a lot of extra stuff uh, where I've shot things from different angles and gone, no, that angle doesn't work quite right and tried to find better angles to do things. So most of that is there as well. So yeah, there's a there's a it's 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 got a quite an in-depth look into how those four issues were were put together. And uh I, yeah, and I think if anybody is interested in the process of of comic creation, it's it's a kind of a useful one. There's I mean, there's lots of art books and how-to books and things out there, but I think everybody can get something from another one if you're into that sort of thing. It certainly it'll have something for you. I would have thought. I hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I you know I've been a fan forever, um, and it's always oh, great to talk to you and to, to have you on. And what I I'm a huge fan of the series as well. I'm a big fan of Jerry's work. And so when I saw this art book, I was I was like, okay, great. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be in a larger size. And then when I read what you guys were actually doing, where it's it's black and white, so we can see your art more clearly with the you know the rendering. And, the, the, you know, there's the word balloons aren't in the way. And then we get Jerry. I always love reading the script because I love to see how things translate. Sometimes you can learn more, uh, you know, things that you might may have missed when you're reading it on what the writers think and what the artist is thinking. So I'm not an aspiring comic creator myself, but I'm so excited for this. But I have to imagine that anybody who is an aspiring creator, uh, this is a chance to learn from from two legends, Jerry Dugan and John McRae. Like it's a no brainer, really. <laughs> I think you just described me there, a no-brainer. Um, yeah, Jerry's great. I, I do uh, love his work. And obviously, you know, when I went to that Southern Irish convention, uh, I, I had my hit list and Jerry was at the top of it. I was like, right, who am I going to stalk here? Uh, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of Jerry's. So you do get uh, Jerry's uh, thought process when you get to read his scripts and see what see how he uh you know came up with it there's there's also his uh just talking there's a page of him just talking about the concept of dead eyes as well before we actually get the scripts as well 
um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a deep enough dive, uh, and I think yeah, anybody who's interested in comics and likes a bit of semi decent comic art will um, will will get something from it. Um, oh, and by the way, I yeah we we wanted to do this for in black and white for two reasons. Uh, one was it's cheaper, uh, and we wanted to keep our Kickstarter costs down uh, because the postage costs had gone up so badly. And two, it shows my artwork a little bit more clearly. Uh, but Mike Spicer's coloring on the book is awesome. And so, Mike, if you're listening to this, <laughs> in no way is this me saying, I don't want your coloring on my artwork. This is just me presenting it in a different way. <laughs> so uh, Mike's coloring me on Swamp Thing at yep, the moment. I was going to mention, uh, yeah, his work yeah, on Swamp Thing. Uh, I'm super excited about that as well because I just got some of his pages through uh, this this evening and they look terrific. So yeah, Mike's a top quality colorist and I'm lucky to have him. So yeah, don't think Mike, don't think that this is some me slagging you off for God's sakes. You know, Jesus. No, Mike. Mike's amazing. The work he's been doing on Swamp Thing is is incredible, and I can't wait to. When I saw you were doing Swamp Thing, I'm like, oh my God, Mike does the colors on Deadeye. So that's, that's perfect. And we're going to talk about uh, Swamp Thing in a second. But uh, you did give yourself a little extra work. And I mentioned everybody that this is already fully funded. Um, sure. So there are quite a few tiers that already filled up. And, uh, you know, some sketches and postcards, those things are already gone. Uh, yeah, but there yeah. are still some tiers available. So there's a digital tier to get the book. There's a physical uh, tier. And it, is it going to be a hard, is it a hardback, John? It's just a hardback. Yeah. Hardback. Okay, yeah. With, with Mighty World of McRae, we did the soft cover and the hard, and the hard cover. cover. But really, honestly, I, if you look at this Kickstarter, it's very streamlined. Mm -hmm. It's, there's, there's not a lot of nonsense. It's, there's, like you said, there's the digital, there's the physical, there's the postcard sketches, there's the big sketches in the book, and there's the artwork. And that's it. There's no stickers and things. Oh, well, obviously, if we get to 15,000, which right. fingers crossed, we may do, if we get to 15,000, we're doing a print. Um, so, which I've already drawn and shown. Uh, so, I, I'm hoping we can grind your way up to 15,000. We're on about 11 and a half at the moment, I think, or something like that. So it's completely possible. Um, and I may offer a few more of the postcard sketches, maybe midway through the Kickstarter, just to kind of give it a boost. Because as you know, with any Kickstarter, it starts off fast and then it sort of lags in the middle. Yeah. And so it's it, it can be a bit frustrating for for you when you're watching it and going, oh God, you know, yeah. so close to 12K, come on, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah, just it's like, always the middle that's sort 20 of- 20P uh, more, 20P yeah. more, sure. It's sort, <laughs> of, so, it's sort of slow, yeah. But, yeah but, so I may add, I may add some more sketch postcard uh, in, in sort of midway through, but yeah, it's a pretty streamlined, it's just a hardback, um, yeah. That's that's but the there are story. original but there are original art pages from the book that are there's still those tiers uh, available so you can just get a, one just there's one one left wow just one left yeah right. there were four but there's only one now well you better go and grab it everybody if you're listening to this it may still it may still be available um, but yeah let's talk about Swamp Thing but but one last question about the the campaign um, have you drawn those those postcard sketches of dead eyes yet no i'm going to I, in fact i i started penciling one today and i'm going to video myself uh drawing some of them to kind of you know to post on the kickstarter site uh probably in the next couple of days those will start popping up uh just to kind of remind people that the kickstarter is still going any yep. publicity is good publicity even if it's me drawing so you know it's uh so yeah, that's those those I'm starting. Obviously, I can't do the sketches in the book yet, which is right. frustrating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, uh, but well, you know what can you do? But the postcards, which was my wife's idea to do the little postcards, and uh, 
it was a cracking idea and I can get on with those and start uh, you use them to advertise the book as well so thank yeah, you. the reason I was uh, the reason I was asking John is because so here's this character that, that you and Jerry kind of developed together uh, and normally when you're drawing him you're draw you're drawing him to tell the story that you and Jerry are trying to tell with the postcards mm -hmm. you can kind of go wild right you can do any pose you can do so do you do you enjoy doing uh, things like that where you can just kind of well I mean I I, I do enjoy drawing just for the, the just for the image yes definitely um I mean I, I last year uh when covid was really at a, you know when everything went into lockdown and the comics industry kind of grind to a bit of a halt um I like so many people didn't have particularly much work and so I took on a whole lot of commissions um just to keep me from you know keep me in chocolate and whatnot um yeah. and uh and it was great fun you know i got to draw some interesting characters that i'd never drawn before and just fun with sort of designing a picture just for the sheer hell of you know showing a character in a cool way um so yeah that that sort of thing is good with the postcards they are small and so you don't have a great deal of room and also I'm not going to be sort of drawing dead eyes in full figure and every postcard doing something because it would take me forever. Take forever, right? I'd, yeah. I'd never get anything else done. So it will mainly be kind of a, a nice headshot uh, of pretty much, you know, head, shoulders, bust kind of shot of dead eyes. Um, I mean, I'm not quite at the Dave Gibbons Rorschach sketch just <laughs> yet, where Dave just goes like, it's Stamps like a stamp. It yeah. And he's like, every time you ask Dave for a Rorschach sketch, it's just like, shrunk, there you go, mate. Signs it and there he yeah. goes. Or, uh, yeah. or Jim, when he does Batman, he can do it with his eyes closed. I've seen him do it. With his eyes closed? Yeah, Jim Lee. Uh, Batman headshot, sure, here you go, eyes closed. <laughs> and it looks great. Yeah, well, you know, Jim's one of those guys who's, irritating isn't he He's <laughs> yeah. super bloody talented rich famous handsome i hate him <laughs> <laughs> and could draw good drawings with his eyes closed yep. just another reason to hate jim <laughs> well uh speaking of of having fun drawing characters um we've mentioned it several times we we're going to talk about it sw swamp thing so and not only are you doing an issue of uh, Ron V Swamp Thing, you got Mike Spicer on colors. You know, we mentioned that already. Uh, but Constantine, another one of your favorite characters to draw, is going to be in the book as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did DC editorial approach you? Did Ron V, like, who, whose idea was this? Because it's bloody fantastic. Well, putting me on it? Yeah, putting uh, you in for an issue. Well, uh, um, Mike and Ram. I think Mike needed a break, like an issues break. I, if you've looked at <laughs> something, you've possibly noticed that Mike is trying quite hard. I mean, Jesus, the pages are insane. Yeah, and, we're talking uh, about Mike Perkins, the artist, not not. Oh yes, Mike oh, sorry, the Mike. <laughs> yeah. yes, thank you. Yes, yeah. the, the the pages are insanely detailed. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure how. He's managing a monthly schedule, and he it's and he has more on his plate than just drawing the book at the moment. There's he has a reason that he needs a fill-in issue too, uh, which well, personal. And um, so Mike and Ram had chatted and and suggest Mike had suggested me, I think, um, which is lovely. Of Mike, known Mike for ages. He's from the Midlands originally where I live in Birmingham. Uh, he's from there and that we used, before he moved over to the States to live, uh, I would see him all the time. We we had local comics gatherings and Mike was always there. And so, yeah, I've known Mike for ages. So it was lovely of him to uh, suggest me for the book. And it was just, you know, I don't think there's any artist in the world who doesn't want, you know, comic artist who doesn't want to draw a swamp thing. Um, he's got such a, a incredible history from the Landwine, Bernie Wrightson stuff through to Alan Moore and Bissett and Tote Laban. You know, my God, what a 
it's like he's like the daredevil of swamps, isn't he? Yeah. He's you know, he's uh, he's got such so many amazing teams have worked on the character, and uh, it's 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 a hard one to to sort of gear up to to sort of go. Oh my God, I'm going to be following on, and uh, I've got to try and do put my stamp on this character you know, in one issue. <laughs> um, so, so I'm trying, you know, and I'm having fun. It's a great wee story. Uh, it's got Constantine in it, you know, and that's super brilliant because I get to draw a, a comic with Constantine and Swamp Thing together again. Uh, no pressure. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the hell out of it. Uh, Constantine's an awesome character to draw. I've always wanted to draw an issue of Constantine. I have drawn him twice in comics. I drew a cover for one of his trade paperbacks and I drew a, in Hitman, he appeared for one panel in the Ace of Winchester storyline way back at the start. There's a picture of him smoking cigarettes and leaning against a wall, uh, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I've drawn him those two times. And so it's nice to actually get to draw him actually a chunk of John. And I, I, strangely, it was like just putting on an old suit uh, with Constantini's. I, you know, I, I naturally, I've read a, a lot of Constantine. Uh, he's a British character, I suppose, for whatever reason, that might make it easier for me to draw him. I guess maybe just his attitude and that very British sort of attitude he has. And so maybe that I do sort of fall into that more easily. Um, so yeah, he's just, I find him extremely easy to draw and enjoyable to draw. Uh, Swampy is uh, more challenging just from the sheer volume of detail that is entailed in the character. I mean, obviously you can take shortcuts with Swamp Thing and, um, and maybe I do in certain ways, but uh, I'm, I'm also trying not to shirk on the detail. Um, and I'm having a great deal of fun with his sort of transformation stuff where he's sort of growing out of the ground, um, sort of doing that, representing that. And I don't think I'm doing anything different. I'm, Particularly, maybe I don't no clue, um, but I'm certainly having fun drawing it. That's for sure. So yeah, it's it's great. It's um, it's it's a, it's a good story. I've got a great colorist. Two of my favorite characters appear in it. What a yeah, what a win! Fantastic. There. Yeah. I was, was happy that, to get that email. Let's yeah, uh, let's I bet. <laughs> I bet you mentioned you mentioned balance before, um, and it's one of the things specifically with Swamp Thing because, like you said, I mean, here's a. Here's a character that's so much of nature, so nothing needs to necessarily be a regular shape. You know, it can be as irregular as you as you want it to be. But when you talk about Swamp Thing, you can fall down the rabbit hole of of uh, of detail and foliage and whatnot. And I've talked to Liam Sharp about this before. You, know, you work digitally, you can zoom in and you can get lost. You know, adding all this detail, and then when you realize when you shrink it down to this actual print size, nobody's even going to see it. But you just spent four hours on it. So is that when when you're talking about balance, is it? Is it that? Is it making sure you're not falling too far into the, oh, my God, everybody that's worked on it before, am I living up to it? Or is it I, you're trying to – you have all this in your mind already, and to add to it, you've got to be telling the story that that Ram wants to tell. Seems like a very yeah. challenging project. I mean, it's, it's all of those, isn't it? Yes. I mean, definitely. I think any well-established character comes with a lot of baggage, um, you know, um, good baggage, should I say, you know, well, probably some bad baggage too. There's, <laughs> there's always crap stories too, aren't there? Um, and maybe not such good art or what have you, or maybe just not your flavor of art. But, right. Um, but somebody, you know, so when you're drawing a Spider-Man comic like I have, um, you're sitting there going, oh my God, this is a character Steve Ditko created. So, Ah, uh, and try not to freak out about that. Um, and the Swamp Thing again, of course, you know, I mean, anybody who uh, likes comics, uh, loves Wrightson, loves Total Laban, loves Bissett, loves Alan Moore, loves Landwine. I mean, these are all gods of art and writing. Uh, so 
yeah, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of uh, self-imposed pressure, I suppose, uh, when you take on a gig like that. Uh, um, but it's usually that that sort of pressure is usually before you start the drawing. Once you start the drawing, you just get into the story and you get into your style and you get into the way you're drawing it and you don't obsess about that. You just get on with it. You you figure it out. I mean, I did a couple of sketches and drawings of something before I started it. Kind of figured out what approach I wanted to take and then just get on with it. You know, you, you can get really, you could, you could worry yourself to uh, not producing any work if you just are constantly thinking about that. So it's best to, once you start doing the drawing, you just put that all out of your mind and get on with it and sort of create the story. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it probably has niggled at the corners of my mind. (laughs) But, you know, again, at the same time, uh, there's a deadline. So as with anything, so there's a deadline. So just get the hell on with it, John, and yeah. stop, you know, procrastinating. So that the issue that we're talking about, everybody, just so you know, it's uh, it's something issue five. It comes out in June. Uh, Writer Rom V. We've been talking about it on our DC spotlights on on Tuesdays, and uh, there's Brian Boland cover as well. Sorry. Sorry. No, I was just, yeah. So it comes out in June and you have a Brian Bolin cover on, on your issue as well. Has Brian ever done a, a cover for a book you've worked on before? No, no. Uh, he posted it on Facebook and uh, he and I follow each other or well, we're friends on Facebook. And I, I, I went into this feed and said, you know, I don't think I've worked. Uh, have you on the cover before Brian? I mean, I knew Brian, we're not pals, but we're acquaintances who've right. met each other over the many, many times over the years. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of stuff. Right. Uh, so it's a real honor to have him on one of my uh, comics. Uh, I sent him in some of my pages, you know, on the DMs. Uh, I sent him a bunch of my pages after I'd seen his cover. And he very, very nicely said, oh, gosh, I may have to crack open one of my comics for once. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, with Brian, uh, he's he's a character, is Brian. And, you know, I'm not sure whether he's just uh, sort of saying there, there, well done to me and he won't ever look inside it. But or whether he he genuinely meant that I'm going to take it as B and sort of. uh, and be quite pleased with myself. So yeah, uh, but um, yeah, I, I love Brian. He's he's fantastic. Well, he's such a character, and he's such an amazing artist. And obviously, for a guy, I grew up reading Judge Dredd in 2000 AD, and I remember when I was about 11, buying an issue of 2000 where the dark judges showed up. Mm. Uh, and there's that classic shot of fear, fire, mortis, and death all lined up with all the dead bodies beneath them. And uh, me and my three brothers, we were on holiday in Port Russian in Northern Ireland, uh, staying at a caravan. And we were gone into the town and bought that issue. And we were so smitten with Brian's drawings that we went to this badge making shop. It's like sold T-shirts and mm-hmm. you know crap like that. And you went in and you we gave him the page and said could you make badges out of those faces of those judges and they chopped the the artwork up and turned them into these big badges and we wore them proudly around town (laughs) (laughs) and uh so yeah yeah so it's it's from that to having brian working on your cover of one of your comics and saying in your dms that he really likes your artwork you know enough to actually open the comic and read it is um nice yeah imagine yeah. imagine what little uh child john would think if you had tried to tell him that his, uh, his tiny little brain would explode <laughs> his tiny little brain would have exploded yes absolutely you know i have met a lot of my heroes over the years and for the most part, with a couple of exceptions, they've been wonderful. And uh, and I always have that little niggling voice in the back of my head going, good God, it's so-and-so. 
what would 13-year-old me think right now? You know, we're chatting, we're having a beer. <laughs> it's uh, mind-blowing. So, yeah, yeah. With Brian, it's definitely that. You know, it's it, there's certain people you meet and uh, and even after you've got become friends with them, each time you meet them, there's a little voice going, fuck, it's such and such. I'm hanging out with such and such, you know. So I don't want to name names apart from Brian here and give anybody a swell head. But, you know, yeah, Brian already knows. Well, there, but there's probably a number of people who have met you, John, that are probably thinking the same thing in the back of their mind. Oh, my God, it's yes, John yes, McRae. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, you know, nobody's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And you and you artists, you're always your own worst critics. But but John, trust me, you're, you're a legend. Uh, just look at how fast this Kickstarter funded. I mean, you you well deserved, my friend. Well deserved. Thank you very much. Cheers, Jace. I appreciate that. So uh, just to remind everybody, the uh, Swamp Thing issue comes out in June. Uh, the Kickstarter ends on May uh, 29th, as I uh, as I said previously. Let me get the exact time for you. Uh, it is at – scroll all the way up here uh, – at 10 a.m. Pacific time on May 29th, Saturday, May 29th. So you have until then. Uh, but the product is already fully funded, so go and back it now. Before you forget, you know for sure you're going to get the project. And uh, as I always remind everybody, if it's not for you, if you're just not a fan of Dead Eyes, or if you don't have the, you, you'd like to join the project, but you don't have the means right now, the way you can help out John and Jerry is to share it. Share it on social media because the more eyes that uh, are on the project, the more people that do want it can join. There's nothing worse, and I'm speaking from experience here, than learning about a Kickstarter the day or two after it ends that you would have loved to have been a part of the campaign and you missed out. So uh, even if it's not for you, just please go and share it uh, on your social media. So there's a link in the show notes to the, the Kickstarter campaign page where you can go and check it out. Uh, I'll also put a link to uh, John's social media. Uh, John, where's the best place for uh, someone to follow along uh, with you uh, online? I am I am busiest on Twitter, uh, at McCrayman uh, is my handle, as the young people say, I believe. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. John McRae, I guess. Don't mistake me for the singer in the band or uh, the other John McRae who's an IT guy in Silicon Valley. Uh, I'm neither of them. Um, or I'm on Instagram and my Instagram is at McRaeMan1. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively busy in all of them. I think in my Instagram, I uh, possibly, I'm, I I've got to do better on Instagram. Let's put it that way. I got to do better on Instagram, but Facebook and Twitter, I'm all over. <laughs> so I'll put links to uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram in the show notes also, everybody. So if you're having trouble finding John, give him a follow. Uh, you can go and, uh, and click there. And I do uh, encourage you to go and follow him there because that's when you're going to learn about, uh, you know, when he's got new projects coming up and he also posts art from time to time, which is always great to see. So. Oh, it's uh, there's, uh, I always post a lot of art. Yes, yep. that's for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a. I'm not too much on the personal stuff or anything. I'm not going to tell you what I've eaten today, but I'll certainly uh, show you a lot of the the process and drawing and pencils and inks and you know in the stages. I like to just show a lot of process stuff. That's that's my bag really on, yep. on the uh, on the socials. Yep, fantastic. And and a reminder, everybody, make sure you go because the sooner you join the campaign, the sooner you're going to start getting those updates. So when John starts doing the postcards we get those updates, we'll be able to, to see him uh, drawing dead eyes for these postcards for everybody. <laughs> Thank <fantastic>. you. <laughs> uh, okay, as we're finishing up here, anything else you want to uh, share with uh, our listeners, John? Well, yeah, the, the this is my second Kickstarter. Uh, I think you mentioned, and we talked about Mighty World of McRae before. You can still get, if you did miss the Mighty World of McRae, Kickstarter, you can still pick up the books off my shop as well. And um, this is, I'm sorry, I'm a terrible old <laughs> salesman. It's, it's dreadful. Um, but yeah, I've got a shop. Uh, it's a big cartel shop, which you can get to through my website, which is john.mccray.co.uk. No, so if you want to see My World McCray, you can get that from there, uh, plus lots of my artwork and 
prints and crap like that. I mean, uh, high quality stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. um, so yeah, but the, the, the Mighty World of McRae was a real labor of love. So it was, it's, um, and it's a kind of a, my throwback to my youth and the, the British annuals that you used to get. Uh, and uh, it's sort of a showcase of all my artwork, my creator-owned work over the years. Uh, and volume two of it should be coming out this year as well, because I'm not busy enough and doing enough <laughs> that I'm, I'm going to try and cram. <laughs> what the hell am I doing to myself? So, yeah, I'm, possibly around August-ish, I'm hoping to get that going. I'm just firming up the sort of the content. Um, I mean, everything's, all the comic strips are done pretty much it's just uh it's just the extras all the extra sort of stuff the the uh, puzzle pages and the posters and the the short stories and all that this sort of extra guff that i have thrown into mighty world of mccray to make my life more difficult when it comes to producing mighty world of mccray volume two so yeah yeah that that's that's coming up too so just keep an eye out for that folks Great. as well as that i starting in towards the end of the year yeah We'll have to have you back on so you can tell us what's going to be different about volume two. Uh, definitely. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you want me on, yeah, I'll, I'll come on and bore you senseless with uh, all the spiel on, <laughs> on Mighty World of McRae volume two, for sure. Thank you, Jess. Yeah, my pleasure. And everybody, I, I do encourage you to go back and listen to John uh, and my conversation about Mighty World of McRae volume one. There's a lot of good stuff there. Um, we touch on John getting his origins uh, in comics and him working at a comic shop and, and all that stuff. So if you want to know how John got started, you can go back and listen to that one. Uh, I'll put a link to his uh, shop where you can buy the, the first volume of Mighty World of McRae. And yeah, you know, you know, I'd love to have you on to talk about volume two, John. We always have a great time when we get together and talk. So. Okay. Cheers, Jess. I, I appreciate that. It's a pleasure being on too. It's been a, it's been a good laugh. So it has Insta in amongst me, you know, giving everybody the hard sell. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, so that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. As always, we want to thank you for your support and for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.